0: Welcome to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are Mike Taylor, who leads our travel practice, Jenny Corwin, our lead analyst for travel, and Andrea Strokes, uh, who's our practice leader for hospitality. So, Mike and Jenny and Andrea, uh, welcome. Hello.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having
2: us. Hello.
0: Great. Hey, so this is the last podcast of the year. What we typically do uh, in the December podcast is we take a look back at the year uh, and visit, revisit some of the top stories uh, for the year. Uh, and then we'll uh, follow that up with uh, looking forward to 2020, and we'd like to get some predictions from our team here for, uh, for next year for the travel industry. So, why don't we start with uh, stories of the year for 19? Mike, let's uh, start with airlines.
3: Well, for me, in my estimation, the biggest airline story, and it continues to be an, a big airline story as we go into 2020, is what's happening with the Boeing, Boeing 737 MAX, uh, which everyone knows has been grounded because of some international uh, crashes that uh, led to a very tragic loss of several hundred lives, and uh, as a result, the entire aircraft has been grounded, and an FAA review, and there's just it, the whole situation is fraught with a lot of anxiety, not especially on the part of Boeing, you know, which is uh, kind of having to explain how this workaround happened. And just to recap everybody's, refresh everybody's memory, uh, you know, this really was kind of a software issue. Some of the electronics in the aircraft didn't necessarily jive with what was happening aerodynamically. Uh, and that aerodynamics caused uh, if you didn't know what was happening, uh, you would make the, the the pilot would make a wrong decision which is what had happened in those two major crashes so subsequently they've grounded it uh, now we've had no problems with the 737 max in North America and in europe uh, and in fact uh, it really i think it's going to boil down to a, a training issue you know uh, what did these pilots know or didn't know that caused that problem so it was a combination of lack of training and then um, a, a technology issue but there's so much investment capital tied up here in the 737 MAX, it is a very nice aircraft. Uh, it solves a lot of problems for the industry. Um, you know, for basically it's longer range. It's got, uh, you know, a better, a lighter footprint on the environment, uh, and you don't have to retrain staff in order to fly it. Uh, so I really think that they're going to reinstate that simply because the sheer weight of what's being invested in it and how it can affect the industry. And it'll take a little bit, you know, it'll be a story when it comes back to people want to fly it, uh, as I said before in this podcast, uh, if when that 737 MAX comes back online, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first one to get on board right after the captain. So I, I, I really have a lot of faith it'll come back.
0: Okay, thanks Mike. Uh, Andrea, let's turn to hospitality. So what was the, uh, the, the top story uh, for 2019 for hospitality?
2: So um, one of the big stories was uh, the the refresh of Marriott's loyalty program, uh, formerly Marriott Rewards, now Bon Boy, um, very, very much a legacy program that uh, really was overhauled after uh, Marriott purchased Starwood. And um, I think this is just, you know, really, the the story is really about how the large hotel chains are kind of reacting to the market forces that are uh, constantly, um, you know, putting pressure on uh, what they're doing. So you have um, the OTAs, of course, uh, in terms of uh, their negotiations with OTAs on commissions. And then alternative accommodations and, and kind of the, the competition that that uh, provides to the large hotel chains. Um, all, the, all the chains, I think, are reacting differently uh, to these market forces. Um, of course, 2019 saw, you know, continued rise in demand for alternative accommodations through sites like Airbnb, VRBO, etc. cetera. And that demand just continues to increase yet yeah, the hospitality industry is definitely holding its own uh, financially so uh, I, I think it's it's just a constant dynamic uh, that uh, definitely continued to play out in 2019
0: okay thanks Andrea uh, Mike uh, turning to rental car uh, I think there's a lot of things happening in 19 in the rental car industry. Um, what was one of the uh, the top stories for, for 2019?
3: Well, one of the top stories just happened in the last week or two, which is Lyft announcing that they would actually get into the rental car business. Uh, and just that announcement, I think just the uh, traders and other analysts read the headline, Lyft gets into car rental business, caused uh, both Avis and Hertz stock to drop 3 uh, to 5% in a day. Uh, it has since rebounded. I went and checked this morning. It's, those prices have rebounded probably 90%, 95% of the way back to where they were prior to this announcement. And if I think analysts and also other people looked into what actually was going to happen here, which is they're just really just kind of testing it in the San Francisco market. And they're testing it only with a couple different types types of VW cars, like Passat is one of them. Uh, but they're adding a little bit of layer feature that's going to make it a little more difficult for – the traditional car company, uh, car rental companies, to compete, which is they say you take a lift to the rental car, you know, uh, get into the rental car, you know, drive it around like you normally would for day two, three, whatever how long the term of the, of the rental is, and then drop it back to wherever it was, and then get back in a lift and go back home. So they're introducing a door-to-door service, uh, and I think that doesn't exactly fit with the big. Uh, part of the market, which is the airport rental market, and plus it's only going to be in San Francisco. And there's a whole sort of logistics problems that Lyft is going to have to look into. But on the other hand, Lyft is making this little, you know, dipping their toe in the water here, and uh, based on the success or the adoption of of Lyft and Uber and other TNC, transportation network companies, uh, and their popularity, Uh, I think that that really has got the industry really sitting up and taking notice. I think it was probably the biggest story and only happened about a week ago.
0: Okay, thanks, Mike. And speaking of Lyft, uh, I I think they're involved in our number one pick for stories around uh, airports for 2019 as well, right? Uh,
3: Yeah, the biggest uh, thing I think it's going to happen is my prediction um, as far as the airport uh, side of things um, is that, the, the changes that are happening around the pickup and drop-off um, of Lyft and Uber and other T&C companies. You know, really, the, when you contract with Uber or Lyft, you know, you get their app, and you're, you're going to be picked up at your door and dropped at the other door, wherever you're going. That's sort of the um, value of the Lyft and Uber proposition, uh, is that's going to be extraordinarily convenient for you. But unfortunately, with all the traffic they have on frontages at airports, um, some airports, some large ones, some small ones, have decided, well, we're going to have to modify where you get into that lift or get dropped off from that Uber. Uh, and the biggest one, of course, is Los Angeles, which created a lot, separate lot, all the way on one side of the airport. So if you were going to be picked out, you used to go to the frontage and wait by a certain sign, and, you know, your Uber driver, your Lyft driver would come and pick you up right there, and you get in, you go on your merry way. Well, now if you're, say, in Tom Bradley Terminal at the bottom of that horseshoe there, you're going to get on a van and go to a lot that's next to Terminal 1. And that trip uh, at peak times, just on the van, can take you 40 minutes. And so that kind of obviates the value of, you know you know, your time and the convenience of being picked up at the door. And the other smaller airport that instituted a change was Cleveland, which had a problem with the frontage, uh, so much traffic on the frontage. So they said to the Uber and Lyft drivers, now we're going to require you to drop people off past the terminal. So, And they really didn't do a good job merchandising it or at least communicating what was going to happen. And people were in their Lyft and Uber and drove past the terminal and got dropped off a couple hundred yards away and had to walk back in the rain or the weather. And it happened in actually late summer. And i sure it's snow and it's cold right now in Cleveland. Uh, and so, again, that really led off, led to a, some really annoyed people um, that are using Uber and Lyft. But just to go circle back to LAX, they had to do this because of what's going to happen at LAX. They had to put that lot where it is because they're going to be redoing all the access to Los Angeles and they're going to be um, modifying the parking lots. And so there's no central location in which to do that staging for Uber and Lyft, so this was sort of an advance uh, recognition of what's going to happen in the coming year at LAX, which is a huge construction project.
0: Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, Jenny, uh, moving to digital. Digital was a big focus for JD Power um, in uh, 2019 for our travel practice. Uh, so, what was the what was the top theme or, or top set of stories around digital for, for 19?
1: Yeah, I, I think there was a there was a lot right around digital, not just at J.D. Power, but everywhere, particularly in travel and hospitality. And and I think the big theme that emerged was really the the use of the digital channels to personalize experiences. Um, I I think there's a lot of new and emerging technologies that were kind of talked about at the beginning of the year, late last year, things like the IoT, the Internet of Things, and everyone was saying there's going to be Alexis in hotel rooms. I don't know that that's where we've gotten to, but I do think – we do see, you know, there's a big focus on on using apps and chatbots and other digital channels to engage with consumers um, across the travel industry. Uh, I also think one thing that we found at JD Power that was pretty, pretty prominent this year in our studies was that. Um while the travel industry is making great strides in these areas, you know they are lagging some, some top industries, particularly financial services, where you know those those apps and that technology is really embedded in the consumer experience. Um, and those digital channels are just a little bit um, a little bit more grown up, I think at this point. um but but you know we do see a clear direction. and um, and we do see the industry really making an effort to Meet the guests or the consumers where they are, and to, to offer a um, a channel or a personalization option um, in in many different stages of the journey and and in many different um, phases of life and in and, and how you like to interact with companies. So I think I think we're seeing a lot of growth there, and I think it's it's been rather positive. But there's still a long way to go.
0: Okay, thanks, Jenny. And, uh, Mike, just to finish off the uh, the topic of uh, Stories of the Year for 2019, uh, the uh, we saw a, a change in the loyalty programs, which we think is pretty important, right?
3: Right. Um, you know, traditionally, mileage programs have been based on usage, you know, the number of flights, segments, how many miles you flew. So going round-trip New York to Los Angeles was worth more than going round-trip, you know, Cleveland to Madison, um, uh, Wisconsin. And so you know, what's happened in the, that is it used to be, you know, it was a loyalty, uh, quite literally a loyalty program. We're doing this to keep you booking pe- keep you booking on our airline or our brand. Um, but the finance people have taken hold uh, at several of the airlines. And the trend here is now not to base it on activity or miles that are being flown, but I mean, how, how many dollars you're spending with the brand. Now, financially, that makes complete sense. You know, you want to maximize the revenue at every opportunity to your to your uh, airline, so it's understandable, but uh, the passenger is used to a certain, you know, a couple decades long now tradition of, you know, if I'm going to fly 6,000 miles in, in, uh, in a couple of days, I'm expecting 6,000 points on my card you now or on my uh, loyalty uh, program, and that's no longer going to happen. So you can, if you buy a first-class ticket, uh, and just fly to you know between Cleveland and Madison Wisconsin uh, you can get a lot more uh, mileage points and they're still going to call it points uh, on some of these mileage based programs than if you flew round trip to Los Angeles and New York six times uh, so you can really become a gold member in only a couple trips if you're willing to spend the money and then they've also based on those dollars Increase the amount of dollars you need to spend in a year to get into the really exclusive clubs Uh, you know the the one ks and the premieres and um, and the global services types of programs and uh, In some cases you're you're gonna have to spend you're gonna have to spend $18,000 on airline flights in a year to get into that top tier club and that's a big increase over what was uh, you know traditionally garnered under a mileage based scheme so that's uh, that's puts a, a a completely different complexion on loyalty uh, for airline programs.
0: All right, thanks, Mike. So look, a lot of things happened in the travel and hospitality industry in twenty nineteen. So let's uh, let's switch gears now and look forward uh, and uh, talk about our predictions for twenty twenty. So uh, are we expecting uh, as many uh, changes and and um, News and travel and hospitality in twenty twenty as uh, as we saw in nineteen. So Jenny, why don't we start with you? What's what's your prediction for twenty twenty?
1: Oh yeah, my my fun bold prediction for twenty twenty is the the rise of the workcation, which uh, for for many years we've had what what's called the leisure trip. Right, that's the the business trip where you tack on some leisure time. I think as we see uh, the change in the way we work, actually, to where we have a lot more remote workers, a lot more of our tasks can be done virtually, I think we're going to see people not letting their work stand in the way of their vacation, meaning they're going to take the vacation, but they're just going to take their work with them, right? And I think we've seen that for years now. There's a lot of people that have been kind of dabbling in this, right, answering a few emails here and there. But I, I could see us doing some smaller uh, trips, long weekend trips, where maybe you're you're just planning how you can fit your work in while you're on vacation, um, and I, I think that's going to change what's um, what some a certain segment of the travelers looking for out of their out of their lodging, out of their um, accommodations in general. Right? They need they're going to need a functional space to to get some work done, which is generally provided by hotels. But I think they're going to think about how they plan their days a bit differently, and um, it's just a, a a little bit different than that leisure traveler, which was really work first, place second. This is really the uh, vacation is is the primary objective, but you don't want to uh, let your work stand in the way of it. It's going to be interesting.
0: Thanks, Jenny. Very, uh, very, int- very intriguing. Um, Andrea, let's go to you next. What, what's your prediction for 2020?
2: Well, uh, we've had some news lately uh, about uh, the hospitality and hotel industry outlook for 2020 um, financially or economically, and a lot of the chains have uh, come out to reduce their guidance uh, for 2020. Uh, This is is looking like it's really uh, not so much about a slowdown uh, in demand in 2020, so I don't see uh, that. I think there would have to be, a, you know, a pretty major uh, economic uh, shock to to um, reduce demand like that. Um, I think demand will hold steady. I think this is really about uh, the supply. So over the past, you know, decade or so, times have been good. For uh, development, Uh, the pipeline of hotels is still uh, very, very robust uh, for future hotel development. Um, So that will just continue to put pressure on room rates as uh, supply continues to increase. I think there are also pressures on room rates, again, from these outside forces, as I mentioned, such as the, the OTAs and now the competitive landscape with alternative accommodations uh, as well, um, just kind of continuing to to potentially put pressure on uh, room rates for the large hotel chains.
0: Okay, thanks, Andrea. And finally, Mike, I will turn to you for your your prediction for 2020.
3: Well, mine mine is quite a bold one, I'd like to think, uh, which I believe that um, in 2020 we're going to see some financial interest in buying out either in a friendly way or a hostile way, one of the rental car companies, one of the major rental car companies, uh, simply because there's been so much prolonged uh, disruption in this marketplace as caused by Uber and Lyft and the TNCs, as we've noted many times on this podcast. Um, But there may be some incentive or at least uh, an attractiveness of cashing out. And we're talking about corporations with huge amounts of assets, physical assets, and which can be, and most of them, of course, are financed, uh, which adds another layer of complexity to it, and just makes the industry kind of vulnerable to changes like this. It's not—I'm not necessarily saying it's, you know, likely to happen, but I think that we're going to see a little bit more interest in what is going to happen with some of these major rental car companies, uh, and what other leverage buyout um, specialists can actually do with those assets. And I think that at this point, they look, uh, I think, somewhat attractive to people who think, now, if we just modified the business model here or applied this strategy or that strategy, um, that I think there's a, there might be some potential for a leveraged buyout firm uh, to come in and swoop in and, and take over one of these uh, major rental car companies. So that's my prediction for 2020.
0: All right, Mike, that's a bold prediction. We'll see what happens uh, in 2020. And so that's that's a wrap for 2019. Uh, Mike and Jenny and Andrea, thanks for joining us today. You're quite welcome. Yeah. And thanks to our listeners for joining as well. To learn more about the J.D. Power travel pod, uh, practice, uh, you can find us on LinkedIn or you can visit us on the web at jdpower.com slash business. And we'll see you next year.